Welcome back to the Best Day Kitchen, where we continue our series uh, learning how to bake Heidi's incredible chocolate cake. This is week five. Along the path, we're also learning how to bake up a better, bitter-free life. Not just one that solves the bitterness of the past, but one that helps us avoid bitterness in the future. And like I said, it's week five, and, and what we're going to look at uh, today is just kind of this disastrous kitchen. But before we get going, let's remember that like the cake is our illustration. We have all these bitter inner ingredients that just don't go well together, but when combined, they make this incredible chocolate cake. And it works really in all of baking, but with Heidi's chocolate cake, it is incredible. And of course, the spiritual angle here is this, is that there's a lot of bitter and challenging things that come into our lives. But we are able to take those things, and we can take all those bitter, challenging moments and end up with a better, bitter-free life. So as we get going, let me just recap in case you out there are just tuning in. It's your first time, or if it's your first time here in the studio audience. In week one, we not only looked at the ingredients of Heidi's chocolate cake, but we learned this spiritual truth. We need to trust God to make bitter better for us, for those around us. And the verse we looked at was this, an incredible verse from Romans 8. It says this, we know that God causes everything to work together to, for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And what that means is that when I meet the master chef, God, he's able to give me peace and grace. These are promises he makes. And he's able to take all of these bitter challenges, abandonments, rejections, fights, arguments, people who are just mean. He's able to take all those things and work them for good for me, for those around me, and for his purposes. So that was week one, trust God to use bitter for better. In week two, we saw a couple methods that we use to get those components or those ingredients to help us have a better, bitter-free life. And what we saw was this, the methods of baking up a better, bitter-free life are being kind, loving, and forgiving. And those aren't ingredients, those are methods, those are things we choose to do. Our anchor verse for week two came from Ephesians chapter four, and it said this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, and all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, loving, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. What a really great word. So be kind, love, and forgive, which rolled us into week three. And in week three, we, we looked at this principle for a better spiritual, bitter-free life, which was be ready to reconcile. I mean, it's a real challenge. When people have hurt us or offended us or caused us angst and anger and all these things we're wrestling with, even as we begin to find peace, even as we decide to, to act out kindness and love and forgiveness towards them, the hope is that they'll get their act together, right? That they'll be ready one day to come back and make things right with us or in the situation. Now, granted, there may be some of those situations from our past where there will be permanent boundaries, boundaries we can't climb over, places we shouldn't go, people we shouldn't be maybe intimate with. But we should always be ready to reconcile. When somebody gets right with God, when they get right with themselves, we should be ready to extend that reconciliation too. And that rolled us into week four. Week four was this, extend fellowship, to extend fellowship. Now, the verse for week three with reconcile said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as your perfect father. Okay, get that. 
Isn't that incredible? So being ready to reconcile is, is to kind of be like God and say, he is always ready for us to come home. He is always ready for us to find our place at home. But there's a difference when it comes to week four where the truth about living a bitter free life is not only to be ready to reconcile, but is to be willing to extend fellowship. The verse there comes from when Paul, the same guy who wrote Philemon and wrote him this letter about bitterness, Paul writes to these guys in Corinth and in 1 Corinthians says this, now however, there's this guy who just caused all kinds of problems. And what Paul says to the church is this, now however, it's time for you to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. Do you see what he's saying? So this guy's already suffered the discipline and consequences of his own behavior. The church, I mean, they've done their best, but they've separated. He's already had enough punishment. And what Paul's saying is this, it is time to extend fellowship again. It's time to give him a path back. And last week was powerful in the best day of her kitchen. So we have this week to week five, episode five, in this messy kitchen. We're still talking about baking up a really incredible cake, and we're gonna learn something about what we have to do to prepare, to prepare to frost it, to finish it, and to enjoy it. But before we go there, let's remember where we're getting all these spiritual truths. All these spiritual truths come from the book of Philemon. And in the book of Philemon, or the letter, Paul is writing Philemon, and what he's saying to Philemon is this, I know this guy named Onesimus wronged you. He was your servant, he ran away, he didn't tell you, he did you wrong, you're angry about it. And in fact, maybe your anger is okay, but bitterness isn't. And Onesimus, who ran off, met Paul, got saved, got it right with God, and now he's going back, and Paul's sending him back with this letter to Philemon, who's a leader of the church, and he's saying to Philemon, what? Like, you can't let bitterness rule. You've gotta take this guy back. He's now a brother in Christ. So that's kind of where we start out spiritually, but we start out today in this messy kitchen. And I know that it seems crazy, but if we don't clean the kitchen before we frost our cake, all of this stuff is gonna get all over our cake. You never had that? The dessert that has too much flour on the bottom? And it's just bitter. This cannot taint our cake. And in the same way we're gonna see if we don't deal with the bitterness and the things that are left over as we begin to clean up our lives, they will infect us and we may actually become bitter. So for four weeks we've been baking, for four weeks we've been cooking and you know, it makes you wonder why we simply don't go to the bakery. And in fact, that's why we do, right? I mean, that Kroger cake may be subpar to Heidi's incredible chocolate cake, but we don't have to deal with this. We don't have to make it, but even worse, we don't have to clean up. And so why do we do that kind of stuff when it comes to cake and pastries and all these desserts? Well, we're busy, right? We're just really busy. Maybe we haven't even learned how to cook yet. So like, it, we, we could do the Betty Crocker in a box, but it still wouldn't be Heidi's. Maybe we don't have the right ingredients. Maybe, maybe, maybe we don't even have a good recipe. But I would argue that one of the biggest reasons that we don't bake is because we don't want to clean up. Amber and I are always joking about this. We love cooking. We try to eat at home as much as we can. But sometimes we feel like we're only cleaning up to mess up. It's just this constant cycle, and it can get so tiring. Load after load of dishes, cleaning off the counters, getting everything straightened up. And let's just be honest. Cleaning up is not the fun part 
of making a cake. It's just not. Cleaning up is not the fun part of cooking. In fact, I might argue, we might argue, that Gordon Ramsay became the executive chef, the master chef, the guy in charge, so he wouldn't have to do this. Because you never see the Gordon Ramsays cleaning the kitchen. Nobody wants to do it. But here's the truth. If you're going to bake an incredible chocolate cake, you're going to have to clean up. Now, you may not have as big a mess as we have here today, but the truth is, if you're going to bake, you're going to have to clean. And that's where this gets back to our spiritual life. That's where this gets back to the emotions we feel and the things we feel when people abandon us and reject us, when they lie to us, when there's deceit involved, and we're facing bitterness. When we're facing bitterness, the same truth applies. If we don't clean our emotional, spiritual kitchen, then what's going to happen is everything from this point forward is just going to be messy. And so from a spiritual sense, if you look at our cooking table here, where we have exaggerated maybe a bit of our mess from the last four weeks, we have things like hate and hurt and anger and resentment. And these things cannot be allowed to stay in our spiritual and emotional kitchen. What we need to do is we need to do what we just said. If we're going to live this life that has trials and challenges, we need to figure out how to get rid of the anger, how to get rid of the hurt, how to kind of clean up this kitchen so that when we start the next cake of our life, the next relationship, we don't carry this stuff forward. So one of the most important things that we're going to talk about and we're going to talk about all day today in this episode is cleaning your kitchen. And nobody would ever think like that's the next step in making a great chocolate cake. Or that's the next step, maybe in having a better, bitter-free life. We just wouldn't think, like right off the top of our heads, that that's where we're headed. But the point is, is we have to get rid of all those bitter ingredients. Every little bit of everything that is left. And that's where Philemon comes in. As Paul continues to write Philemon, we're going to look at verses 17 to 19 today. And as Paul begins to write Philemon, he begins to address this next stage of getting it all together. And what he says to Philemon is this in his letter. Philemon, if you consider me your partner, welcome him. Who's him? Onesimus, the servant who ran away. Welcome him as you would what? Welcome me. That's a tall order. Philemon loves Paul. He was led by Paul, raised up by Paul. They're close. And he's now, Paul's like comparing himself to this guy who created all this potential for bitterness. He goes on to write, if he's wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your own life, your own very soul. So when we begin to look at these words from Paul, what we begin to see is two Really important things. And I think maybe the first one to hone in on is that phrase where Paul tells Philemon, you got to get this right. You don't want bitterness to spoil God and the glory of God. You don't want it to mess up the church. And you don't want to hold it in your life. And his encouragement today, he's already told Philemon the ingredients of peace and grace and relationship with God. He's already told him the methods, be kind, love, and forgive. He's already told him you need to prepare in every situation to be ready to reconcile, to extend fellowship, to, to make a way back. But today's order's even a bit taller. And what he says to him is this, welcome him, 
as you would welcome me. I mean, that's powerful. What he's saying is you need to see Onesimus, who's got his act together with God and me and himself, the same way you would see me. As he comes, see me coming. And then second, Paul says, this incredible thing as he writes Philemon. He says, not only will I pay it back. In other words, if there's any financial damage or thing that Paul can make right, if Onesimus can't do it, Paul will do it. That's how serious he is about Philemon seeing Onesimus as Paul. But he adds this. But don't forget, you owe me your own very life or soul. So why does he say that? Because Paul literally led them to Christ. They got eternal life. Paul may have even saved him physically. We don't know. But we know that Paul was Philemon's spiritual father, that he introduced him to Christ and a church to Christ and built up that church where Philemon was. And what's he saying? Well, what he's saying echoes the very words of Christ. It echoes the work of Christ. Isn't that what he did for us? Couldn't Jesus Christ say to every single person who's been forgiven, every single person who's been accepted by him, everybody who calls themselves a Christian, this is what Jesus did for him. He gave his life for us. He gave us our life. He, we owe him our very existence. Now, in all of eternity, we owe him for the peace, the joy, all of it, every last bit of it. That's what Jesus did for us. And there's a neat application out of that because Jesus was perfect. And Jesus could have done anything that he wanted. In fact, Jesus could have said, you know, I have some bitterness towards you. I did everything for you and you guys treated me like a bum. But Jesus doesn't have bitterness. That's not who he is. Instead, he comes and he lives and he dies and he tells people he loves them in action, in word, and he tells them how to get back to God. Jesus could have done this. Jesus, you know, he could have not let us off the hook, but he did. He could have said, you know, you need to remember what you did. If anybody had the right to remind us of what we've done wrong, it would be who? Jesus, because he lived perfect, but he doesn't do that. In fact, Jesus doesn't even tell us, you might mess up in the future. He doesn't talk to us about where we might reject him, we might abandon him, we might disobey him, we might walk away in the future. And this is an incredible example to us. Because if we're gonna be like Christ, if we get this message that Paul's writing to Philemon, we don't need to be digging up the past. We don't need to be reminding people of what they did. We don't need to be even telling them they might, they might hurt us again. No, what we need to do is we need to, to get all of this cleaned up in our lives. So the question is, how do I get all of this stuff cleaned up in my life? How do I get myself to a place where I'm good, where I'm ready, and why do I do that? Well, just like we clean the kitchen after a cake, so don't ruin the next one, we clean our lives. Let me tell you how. There's a couple steps. Step one is this. We just need to accept. We just need to accept that this happened. It, just, it happened. Somebody did something to you that created bitterness, that created this opportunity for bitterness. Whatever happened, happened, and you can't change that. And so I like to say this. It's just there's a point where we just need to put the matter to bed. In fact, if you've ever studied grief counseling, when there's a loss and there's pain, 
The final step is acceptance. And we find freedom in that because the reality is it happened. And there's a time when we need to put the matter to bed and begin to step forward and heal. Well, it's no different when it comes to bitterness, rejection, any of those things, challenges that create that opportunity. We have two choices. One, we can accept what happened and we can figure out how to move forward. Or we can just sit there in denial or in pain. So step one of cleaning our kitchen is to look at it just like we did and say, hey, there's hurt, resentment, anger, pain. I need to deal with that because this has happened. Step two is humility. Humility, just being humble. In other words, remember how God fixed this all for you. Remember how he forgave you. Remember how he wiped the slate clean. Get it? Be humble. Remember where we came from. Remember how he was ready to reconcile with us when we finally were ready to fix our mess. So we need to accept what's happened, and we need to be pretty humble, because most likely everybody in this room, right, has done exactly what's been done to us in one form or fashion. Maybe in some cases, maybe with abuse or things in our childhood, you know, you didn't do that, thank God. But the point is, is that we are all flawed, we all have challenges, and we need to remember that what? But for the grace of God, there go I, there go I. So accept what happened, be humble, realize we aren't perfect either. And then third would be this. We need to like check our own cleanliness. So we're trying to clean up this whole situation and a lot of times we go, okay, well I'm gonna accept it happened, I'm gonna be grace and peace, and I'm gonna be kind, I'm gonna be loving, forgiving, and I do all this stuff and I'm gonna try to get bitterness out of my life, but we can still be left with a mess in our kitchen. And the reason we can be mess, left with a mess in our kitchen is because sometimes the mess is in us. And so really what we're saying is this, step three of dealing with this, step three of cleaning the kitchen of our life is to make sure we clean our own kitchen. Take a look at the mess within us. So maybe you're facing bitterness, right? Or you're trying to get over it, you're really leading in on the series. Maybe you didn't create the mess at all, but you know, maybe you did have a little part in it. But even if you didn't, the point is, I still need to make sure that I don't become what I hate. It happens so often. We see it, and we're, they're bitter, and they're just all this stuff bad to me, and everything else. And then I embrace bitterness, or I embrace hate, and it'll begin to spoil me. And I'll become the same corrupt, angry, hurtful kind of person that started this in my life. And all this makes me think about this verse when it comes to cleaning up my own life where it says this, Matthew 7. These are Jesus' words. Jesus' words while he was on earth. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a big log in your own? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log from your own eye, and then, watch this, perhaps, not for sure, but perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And he doesn't even tell us how to deal with it. I'm thinking probably if we could see the log in our eye, we would be so humble, we would probably try to help them get the speck out of their eye instead of pointing it out, right? So it's an incredible verse, and what it kind of says is this, is take a look at yourself before you start focusing on all the people who create the challenges and the bitterness. So I need to check myself. This is step three. Accept it's happened, be humble, check myself. Let me give you a couple tips on how to check yourself. Here's the first one. You need to be proactive 
about cleaning up any messes you've made with others. There's this really, really, really neat verse, and it says this. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, so this is where they went, and they made their sacrifices to God, the Hebrews, and they would take the sacrifice there, and basically they would say, God, you know, I honor you, I love you, and they'd make this offering to him. What Jesus is saying to them is this. Before you take that sacrifice, like if you're carrying that sacrifice and you get ready to lay it down and sacrifice it to God and say, I love you and we're right, but you realize that suddenly you just remember that someone has something against you. In other words, you've created a mess, an offense, a bitterness for somebody else. He says this, leave the gift at the altar and go be reconciled to the person. That's kind of powerful, isn't it? So the very first step is to make sure that I really look at my life and see, you know, have I created those situations in somebody else's life? The thing I hate, I'm trying to work on, but have I ever been that way? And, and check yourself, and if you have created those problems, you need to, before you go one step further, before you say you're all good with God, you need to go and fix the stuff you created. Go humbly. Go like Onesimus. Go back and go, I realize I... I I've been dealing with this bitterness and I'm wrong and I, I wanna be reconciled to you and I need you to forgive me and, and, and I realize there may be some boundaries in our relationship a bit, but I, I need to take the first step and I need to be reconciled to you. So when it comes down to like, you know, I'm cleaning up my messes, I need to be very, very proactive. This, the second place where I need to be proactive though is cleaning up any messes that they've made. Let's just think about it for a minute. Sometimes we're very bitter and the person who we're bitter against doesn't even know there's a problem. Maybe they're just so blinded by their own selfishness, or maybe they're just blinded spiritually or emotionally, and they don't even realize that they've caused hurt. So we need to be proactive and take that risk, take that chance with God, ask, sometimes there's boundaries, but in the general sense to go to them and say, hey, I don't even know it, but what you did really offended me, or it really hurt me, or that abandonment, that rejection, that lie, really hurt me, and give them the opportunity to work it out. Now, if you've already kind of done that or they're just belligerent, well, you can't really do that step, right? But what you can do is be very proactive. You can begin praying for them. In other words, be proactive about trying to see them get their stuff right. Not for you, but for them. All right, so first I'm gonna check myself. Any messes I've made, I'm gonna clean up. Second, I'm gonna go and try to help whoever's made messes get it straight if I can. And then the third one is gonna be this. I'm gonna check and see if I have any messes with God. You know, because that whole speck and log thing, before I start looking at everybody else and all their flaws, I wanna, might wanna make sure that I haven't offended God, that I haven't done something that he could, even though he won't, be bitter about. That's something that's just wrong him. Uh, something I did that offended him, and I need to do that. Now, the writer of Psalm puts it this way. I, it is so clear. I probably don't need to say too many words. Here's his prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Boy, that's a bold prayer, isn't it? So Know my heart, and then you test me. Watch, and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, God, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, how many of us would dare pray that to God? <laughs> right? Know my heart, know my thoughts, and then test me. And in this test, God, 
point out anything in me that you find that offends you and then show me how to fix it. So the third, this little third step of trying to clean up my own heart is that I need to fix anything that's between me and God. We cannot ignore this step. And of course, that brings a lot of humility and acceptance for us as well. So what's the overall point? The overall point to all of this, of course, is that if I want to become better instead of bitter, right, then what I need to do is I need to clean the kitchen. And that's really, really what it comes down to. So along my path of trying to um, be a better person, a better husband, you know, a better friend, a better father, a better grandfather, to improve myself, to, to be somebody who doesn't deal with bitterness and doesn't pass on bitterness and doesn't let that eke out into relationships, to be a better worker, a better boss, I need to make sure that whenever challenges come, that I'm focusing on becoming better, not bitter. I'm gonna accept those things come. I'm gonna stay really humble. I'm gonna remember what Jesus did for me, and I'm gonna check to make sure I don't have any problems between God and I. But that's a big challenge. That's not a really big challenge. But I want you to remember, and I'm gonna remember the same thing, that when we embrace God and have a healthy relationship, that grace and peace always win in the end. And that my better behavior, your better behavior, our endurance, the grace that people see in our lives, the peace, all of this, the kindness that we extend to them, the love that we extend to them, the forgiveness we extend to them, to be ready to reconcile. As we clean up our kitchen and we do those things, they're gonna get noticed. And that's really where the clean kitchen comes in. Just for a minute, I want you to imagine that you're the person on the other side of the thing and you've really hurt somebody, you've done them wrong, and you're, you're just really wrong. And one day you wake up and you realize what you did, and you, you kind of work it out with God, and you want to work it out with the person. And if you go to the person, what kind of kitchen do you want to arrive in? Like their personal spiritual kitchen, their life, the kitchen of their life, what kind of kitchen do you want to arrive in? Well, you want to arrive in a kitchen that's clean, that's ready to reconcile, that's ready to extend fellowship, Right? So see, that's what we have to offer. If we get our stuff cleaned up, if we get our kitchen cleaned up, when they get it right and they come back, they'll find a kitchen full of love and grace and peace and kindness and forgiveness. So it's not just about us. We don't clean our spiritual, emotional kitchen. It's gonna taint everything we do moving forward. So we benefit when we complete the task, clean up the kitchen and get ready for the next step. But everybody else benefits as well. Just, just think about how this really applies, right? If I really put the matter to bed, then there's no lookbacks ever, and there's no takebacks. Whenever something comes up, it's not remember that, when you did that, because we're not looking back and trying to project that into the future. We just accepted it, and we put the matter to bed. I've been hoping for you to get it right, and with great excitement, I received them into the kitchen, because I've already checked my own cleanliness, I've done everything I can, and I found great humility, and I can now be, what did that verse say at the beginning? I can now be perfect, like my father is perfect, letting go of all bitterness and harsh words, ready to extend that kind of fellowship. And man, that leads us to a life that's so great. The recipe is so absolutely simple, right? 
Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose. Know that God is in control even when bitter times come. Find freedom, right? In kindness, in love, and forgiveness. And discover your purpose in, in, in bitter by, by embracing grace, embracing peace, and hoping for the folks. So, as we close out this day's episode, I guess the, the question we ask ourselves is, you know, not only are we going to clean this kitchen and make up a better, great Heidi chocolate cake, the next cake, but the question is this, will you join me in cleaning our kitchen, your kitchen? Will you do that? If, if you've offended somebody else, will you be proactive before you take one more step in your spiritual faith, before you give one more gift, before you make one more claim, Will you go this week and go find them in the next 24 hours and say, I know I did something wrong and I need to make it right because that will clean your kitchen. That will allow grace and peace to flow in you as they give you forgiveness. And if they don't give you forgiveness, you just move on and you keep cleaning. Will you join me in, in being proactive and hoping and trying to do whatever we can to help others clean up the messes they've made? Like, would you be willing to go have coffee with somebody who offended you? If you can do that, if there's no boundary needs, would you do that? Would you be willing to do that and sit down and say, hey, listen, I don't want you to live this way forever. You know, I, I'm kind of working this out for myself. Is, how can I help? Maybe you're telling them for the first time your wife and you've been holding that thing, husband, deep down in your heart and you're just about this, but you can't bring yourself to tell her that it's really bugging you and maybe she doesn't even know or, or vice versa, wife to husband or friend to friend or boss to worker. Will you be proactive and help somebody who has offended you, who has given you an opportunity for bitterness as you clean it up, will you extend now that opportunity to them to get it figured out? And then whether you do one or two above, it's this, like, will you join me? And maybe just take a few minutes today before you go to bed and check yourself with God to see if you've done anything that offends him. Guys, when we do this, we so clean the kitchen and we set ourselves up to, to frost a cake, to enjoy a cake, uh, to enjoy that next relationship. That's how you clean your kitchen. And I cannot emphasize, no, we could spend a whole episode on this, that cleaning the kitchen is the next step and baking up a better, bitter, free life. Because I want to be better, not bitter. You want to be better, not bitter. Well, I hope you'll join us for episode six next week when we frost the cake. We're going to show you how to make the frosting. We're going to frost the cake. We might even enjoy a little bit of it towards the end of the episode. But in the meantime, you may have questions. Maybe you're out there and you haven't been to three taverns. You haven't been to the best day kitchen. Maybe uh, you just need to talk to somebody. Anybody in a Here to Help shirt, black shirt, white letters, big bold letters, Here to Help shirt, they have scriptures, they have plans, they have been briefed, and they would love to, to talk you through the steps. Maybe you just need somebody to listen, or maybe you need somebody to help you figure out whether you should even be bitter. However we can help you, the Here to Help folks will be up here at the stage at the end of this episode. They'll be behind uh, in the green room. They'll be in the foyer. They'll be around, so find them if you can. And join us next week for episode six when we frost the cake. Have a great week.